Hey, I'm Anok, and you listen to part one of the Mountain Movers podcast. In this part one of two episodes, I sat down with a kind, caring, dedicated individual who really takes a stand for the members of his community. We discuss how he gets involved, what he believes it takes to make a stronger community, and how he took his first steps into running. So, let's do this. Cue that intro in three, two... This is the Mountain Movers Podcast, a platform for you, the ones with a voice to be heard, but no microphone to speak it. This is your time, your chance to become more than they believe you are, more than you believe you are. So let's do this together. Thanks, Jake, for having me. Um, my name is Anok, Anok Dunstan, and uh, I'm a fresh grad, and uh, I spend my time now um, doing a bunch of community events in my free time. A couple of things I volunteer for are a Start to Finish, which is a reading and running club where I'm a run coach for kids in the inner city uh, in Regent Park. Uh, another thing I volunteer for is the Kickback Connect, where I'm a run leader as well, but I'm also a tutor for their uh, basketball and books program. And uh, lastly, uh, something that's very close to my heart is um, a couple of friends and I, um, we volunteer at this place called Girls Teams, which is a mental crisis center. So once a month we go and we um, make a fresh dinner and just conversate with occupants and try to make them feel like a sense of hope so that they feel that they're able to get out of crisis and like move on past the stage in their lives. Absolutely. And what does that do for you? Like, how did you get so involved into community um, events? I think for me, um, I think it goes back to my roots because, like, as a kid growing up, um, I had a best friend, and it was kind of like I lived my dreams through him. Mm-hmm. It was like he played he played basketball, I want to play basketball so badly, mm-hmm. but there, there were any means for it. And um, just watching, going to all his games and just being a part of that life, but not being a part of it at the same time because it's kind of like you want to do everything they're doing, you have all the energy to do they're doing, but you're on the sidelines. And then uh, honestly, started off with um, an organization that I got involved with at start when I was 14 called Turf. And uh, they're the Toronto Inner City Rugby Foundation. And um, the great thing about them is that um, like I remember I was begging my mom for years. I'm like, I want to play basketball, I want to play basketball. But then you think about like fees, you think about accommodations, you think about like getting to and from practice, you think about um, uh, like think about tournaments. And then for me, like I didn't understand it as a kid. You just like I don't want to play, play, play. But then like obviously like your parents understand that like the things that go into that. And then living in a single parent home is hard when like money can only be stretched so far. Yeah. And then with turf, what, what they did was, um, I remember I got, I begged my mom and grandpa for like years. I'm like, and I knew I wanted to play this sport and take it seriously. And then I went to the, I went to the, the first practice with uh, $225, and they gave me back $200. And I was like, why? And they're like, we're starting this new program with this a, a nonprofit called Turf. Um, where you only pay, like, your, your fees are subsidized, you only pay $25. And $25 for the whole season. And I was just, like, shook. And I was like, $25 for a whole season? And then I was holding $200 in my hand, and I was just like, I've never held this money, this much money in my hand ever in my life. So, um, 
I think it was it was solid because like I've never seen like it was my first time being put in that like competitive atmosphere where I can like play the sport I love and like learn this, learn other things and play with competitive other athletes around the city mm-hmm. at a rep level. And then as I started um, getting more and more opportunities, um, uh, I played all through high school and then it was kind of like like high school was kind of like a it was like a Disney story. It was like we were horrible in our first year. Like we were like we were we were getting crushed in the B division. And in our last year, we somehow like went, went to cities, won cities, went to offset, and it was just like it was, it was pretty like pretty surreal because you when you look back on like where you where you started and how much you've improved, yeah. it's kind of like a, like a look back moment and awe, and like there'll always be a banner in our high school be like like we did that, we achieved that, yeah. So then. Like, as the years graduating, um, they started this program where uh, they wanted to give back to kids in the community, and it was uh, called their uh, Rookie Rugby Program. And what that was, it was, um, what they did was they want to bring rugby to kids at, like, young young ages, so four or five all the way to 13. Because right now, who they had were high schoolers. They're subsidizing high schoolers, but there's only so many high schoolers around the city. But if you were to ever able to offer like a non-contact flag version to kids, maybe it gives them another option, right? Because the thing I like about rugby itself is that it fits all shapes and sizes. Like you don't have to be a certain build. You don't have to jump the highest. You don't have to shoot something like really well. It's just like there's always going to be a spot for everybody. Yeah. And then like I got started with that, and I was it was like cold. It was the coldest outreach I've ever done in my life because you have no experience, you're fresher in high school, and you come to the school in an ugly green shirt, be like, hey, like, do you want um, me to uh, teach your children how to play um, flag rugby? That's not contact. Do you hear rugby? It's like, no, I don't want my kids getting hurt and bloody. Like, the amount of doors that are shot on your face, you're yeah. just like, no. like, are you ever going to, like, succeed and, like, bring like, the program you love? Like, you love dance. Yeah. Right and like there's so many programs for dance and honestly it's amazing, mm-hmm. but like sport like rugby there it's like kind of new but not because yeah. we do have a professional team but it's just not very popular. We're not very popular, right? Like the Raptors won the NBA championship and every, like this is gonna be people like years from now remembering like Kyle Lowry, like Kawhi Leonard, like kids are gonna be named Kawhi like why am I named Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, right. But rugby is, isn't like isn't like that because like look we have a professional team it's kind of new, uh, it's not as popular and like we're not good. Like we're like we're we're pretty we're pretty bad. Yeah. So then, um, honestly, like when when you get that first yes at that one school, and then you see like some of these kids playing the sport for the first time, and like see them flourishing, that's what gets you. Cause like my the first school I helped was a school in my direct community. I went to that school, so it's easy to get. Cause it's a free program. Mm-hmm. And then like one year led to we had we had a thousand kids all over the city. Second year, we had 20,000. Third year, like, and I kept, I, I, first year I went from one of 10, and the second year I went from one of th- one of 35, but I was in charge of, like, a Scarborough region. Then the last two years, like, I coordinated the whole program. Yeah. And I had 50 to 60, and then we were from technically 10 schools to 150 schools in my last year. And then for me, like, like, um, like my friend Quentin says, like, like I, I got com- involved in the community because it's like, when you're surrounded by great individuals and they helped raise you, it's like all you want to do is be a part of Roma and some of these kids' lives. 
because you never know that like that that one pat on the back, that one compliment could go so much further than it already does. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think it takes to make a stronger community to build that sense of togetherness? I think um, like I always uh, look back on a quote like uh, my friend Quentin said. Uh, he said. You want to make people have a feeling of connection, a feeling of belonging, because you, I, you could introduce anybody to anything, but if they don't want really to feel that connection and belonging, they'll never come back, right? Because just and like always fostering an environment, that an, an atmosphere where it's open and it's welcoming and it's just like everyone's included and everyone's welcome. That's and that's how you create a community. Because if let's say you feel um, creating this one run club and it's open to everybody you're like hey this is a cool run club like I want to bring my friends and then like those friends bring their friends and then all of a sudden it, something that started may have started with five people ends up at 40 just because like you're manifesting a feeling yeah. and when everyone wants to be a part of it and you feel that like you're like I belong here yeah then you're gonna keep on coming did you hear about the relief run I did. Yeah. So that was just for the listeners. So um, these two individuals um, started with an idea. They wanted to raise money and awareness for the tragedy that was happening in Australia. So they decided to create a virtual um, run. Uh, you could either do the half marathon distance or a 5K, and they encouraged people all, ra- all around the world to um, sign up to register, and it was $50 to register, and all proceeds went to um, Red Cross. And um, it, was, it was crazy because they, these two people started with uh, one idea, and it spiraled and got so much attraction, and they ended up raising over a million dollars for the Red Cross. And... That's just go- that just goes to show that um, that just goes to show to follow your intuition, to follow what you think could go beyond and fulfill not only yourselves but everybody around you. No, most definitely. Like I think that like w- when you think of something and it's just like even the really fun something as like the two individuals started probably th- were just thinking like maybe this is just some a small idea that we can like create and then it went worldwide yeah. right like like if you just see like lemon hopped on board and then like i was seeing like i follow a bunch of lululemon um i follow a bunch of lululemon instagram accounts and it's like you're seeing like all of these runs happen all over the city right you, you had parked do a run you had like we run north york do a run you had portland and like these are all run clubs in toronto and that's just toronto <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy part. So speaking of running, mm-hmm. you're a big runner. Yes, <laughs> kind of. How did you get your start? Okay, so um, for me, I ran all in high school. So I was on the cross-country team, and honestly, it was a great team because it's like everyone was so close-knit. Like we weren't like the greatest team, most accomplished team, but I think everyone kept coming back because it was just that, like you said, like I said, like you feel that sense of belonging. And um, I ran it for high school, but then when you go to university, there's a huge drop-off, right? Because you go from joining, like, a club team in high school versus, like, the teams in university are a lot more competitive, right? And then it kind of, like, it kind of, like, dropped off, um, dropped off in university. And then, like, I remember in my last year, I was going through, like, gained a bunch of weight, but then I lost a bunch of weight. And then, like, I wanted to get back into running. And, um... 
I saw Instagram. I was on my Explore page, and I saw, like, Parto Roadrunners. Like, um, and then they're like, come by at 7 p.m. And then I messaged a friend of mine. I'm like, hey, like, do you want to go do this? She's like, yeah, let's do this. So I get there at, like, 6.30, all the way at Lansdowne Queen. And I live in Scarborough. Mm. Right? And then my friend's like, oh, I'm running late. Like, I may not make... And, but then I'm already there. And I can't leave. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're already talking to people and you're already like... And you've seen your face. You've seen, seen your face and it's kind of like either run with them. The, the only option is run with them. Yeah. And then I remember like we did that run and it was like... It was the Tuesday before the Lululemon 10K. And uh, I haven't like run... Like I haven't put energy into running in like years. Yeah. And this is just like like less than a year ago. And then I, I went for that run, and I was just like, wow. Like I, like, I feel a lot better than, like, I've ever felt in my life. And, like, I remember we were running down Lakeshore, and I'm like, this is, like, so cool. And then I literally, like, I went home, and then, like, I messaged my friend Quentin. I'm like, hey, like, I need a bit for the 10K. I'm like, I need to run this race. And it was just, I've never done something so, like, sporadic, where it was just, like, and it's so spontaneous because it's like I ran on Tuesday. And technically, like people train for races. This like you have like 18 week like yeah. training cycle. Yeah. This was like days. How much? How far was the run uh, that you did on that Tuesday? Seven k. Yeah. Seven k. How'd you feel after? Felt great. Yeah. I was like, well, I can run like forever. Nice. And then I remember he, like he's like, give me five minutes. I was like, I was like, who's this guy? Like this guy, this guy is like a magician. Five minutes later, he's like, yeah, like this is how much it is. Like you transfer this person, like they'll send you either bib done. Nice. And like I think I ran once more, once more, like during the week. Like I ran like once or twice more during the week, and then the Saturday morning, like, and it was freezing cold. And I was like, this is June. Why is it freezing cold? And then like I ran the 10k, and like honestly, like I just you feel that feeling of release, and like just free. And honestly, like it felt amazing. And then, like, I kept going to Park It's kind of like, once you create relationships with people there and, like, that, um, those connections, you don't want to leave. And it's, like, people message me, like, hey, like, are you going, are you coming to Park on Tuesday? And, and I, was like, I was like, and, like, even some, some mornings when you feel like you don't feel like running, you're like, ah, oh, like, this person's messaging me. And I'm like, man, like, I didn't realize like, I was part of this community. And then, like, you end up going. If you hadn't taken that step and, you know, run that 7K on that Tuesday and then that 10K on that freezing June day, do you think you'd be where you are right now? Not that, at all. That shifted a lot for you. That, sh- like, it was weird because, um, like, after that Tuesday, um, so the Kickback Connect, they have this run club on Sundays where, and... What, what they do is that they use sneakers as a conduit for inner city youth success. So they can see, because when, when you think of like sneaker culture, it's like people think about like the shoes you wear are kind of like the reputation you have. Yeah. Right? If, if I wore like the bum brand shoes uh, that I sell at Walmart versus a pair of Jordans, yeah. people would look at me like completely differently based on the shoes I wear. Yeah. And like kids experience this like daily. Yeah. And it, it's not. It's bigger than ever now. Yeah. So what they do is that they created a run club just to empower children and youth to set goals and attain them. And at first, like I was just I was there because I was like, like let me know I can help because I have a nonprofit background, and I was just running. Yeah. And this is after the Tuesday that I ran with Parkdale. I'm like I was just running, just running with them every Sunday, 
out of a Wellesley Community Center. And then, like, weeks gone by, and, like, I'm running Tuesdays. I parked on all of a sudden I'm running, like, Wednesdays at Rogue Runners, and I'm running Sundays at Kickback. And then eventually, like, like the run leads were Britt Hearn, who's a, who's a Nike trainer, and Q, who's Lululemon Ambassador. And then Q got injured, and some weekends they couldn't be there. So the, the message was like, hey, no, can you lead the run this week? And, like, for me, like, I never ever thought of myself as like one a pacer or two like leading a run because mm-hmm. like for that at the start I was just a person that just running with them and like seeing what kind of role model I can be but also like bettering my physical uh, fitness for sure. and then like as a week started coming on like it was uh, this guy named Pedro and I like we started leading the runs so like when you start a run and you start with these kids you start like a 1-2k and like like, Jake, you know, you probably run that in, like, six minutes because, you know, you're, you're really fast. But, like, it, it, like it, they struggled because, like, you run, like, to one end of the block and you run back. You're, like... I'm gassed. Like, like, and the, like you're, you're gassed, but then you're, like, you're, like, wow. Like, is, like, like, you never experienced that, like, running this distance is so big for a kid. Yeah. Because their goals were to run a half marathon and a fi- or a 5K, in September, and then it's just kind of like, like this Coastal Bank Half Marathon. It's like, you're, in your head, you're like, after that first run, you're like, how am I gonna get these kids yeah. from running a 2K to 21? And then every week you just build on it, and then like you foster like these relationships, and you like you see their confidence is built in them, but you also see the confidence in yourself built. Absolutely. And like the community grows because just like we start off with. Like people dropping in by, and then you slowly create a community. So we went from running from Wellesley CC to Red Path, which is like 4K, and then to Wellesley CC all the way to like somewhere on Lakeshore, which which is about 17 and a half K, and back. And, and these kids did it. These kids did it. And our youngest kids were like five and six. And like in my head, I'm like, wait, they ran it. They, at five and six years old. Five and six years old. <laughs> what? Yeah. So do you hope to continue to, you know, volunteer in the community and lend a hand and inspire others to do the same? You I think so. You see yourself doing that for a while? I, I think I see myself doing that for a while because it's just like, um, like I always draw back to, like when, when I have conversations with like Q, Brett, and Andrew, they always talk about like, because I'm like, how do you do this? I'm like, you have kids, you have full-time, I'm like, how do you do so much in community? They're kind of like, the work itself, will get you the bills that need to pay, right? But you come alive at night when you do all these community events. And I think that, like, just understanding that, like, it's true. Because it's just, like, none of these things generate, like, money in your pocket, right? But the feelings and, like, the impacts that you're able to have on someone can last a lifetime. It's just a bigger purpose. And, like, that feeling and, like, that purpose of just realizing that, like, I'm able-bodied, then I can help. I can help somebody reach their goal. Like it feels so much more than like a promotion or like someone like getting a new job. Yeah. Because, like for me, like how I believe it, like how I think of myself is that if I'm able to help somebody, I, I will go to the ends of the earth to help somebody. Yeah. Just because if I can better the situation, I know that they're like. They're destined for something greater, then why not? Right. 
Jeez, man. All right, so on these episodes, we do something called the Mountain Minute. So at the end of every episode, I take you through like a lightning fire round of questions, mm-hmm. and we see how many you can get through. Okay, sounds good. You ready? This, 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 this is the Mountain Minute. Three, two, one. Favorite movie? Uh, Hitch. Favorite food? Uh, uh, lasagna from Sugo. Go to breakfast? Uh, go to breakfast at three eggs with sausage sauce. Favorite song? Uh, favorite song right now, uh, Get Back Right by Lecrae. Where'd you first hear that song? Uh, in NFL commercial. What's your guilty pleasure song? Guilty pleasure song? Um, anything but Mariah Carey. <laughs> favorite day of the week? Favorite day of the week? Monday. Least favorite day of the week? Uh, doesn't exist. Favorite color? Uh, burgundy. What time do you usually go to bed? Uh, 1 a.m. What time do you usually wake up? 7 a.m. Favorite time to train? Uh, 9 a.m. If you could make any animal your pet, what animal would you choose? Uh, a bulldog. If you could change the stigma around one thing in the world, what would it be? Um, uh, people without homes. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Oof, wow. This this stumbles me. Uh, I, I think I live a great life. Uh, honestly, I'd change my life with Will Smith because I think he's really cool. If you could have any superpower, what would you choose? Um, superpower? Uh, lightning speed. Sweet or salty? S- uh, sweet. Coffee or tea? Tea. Rain or shine? Uh, shine. Day or night? Day. Favorite number? Uh, three. Where do you want to travel? Um, Chicago. Fill in the blank. This podcast is? Amazing. Hey. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing all this with us. It was my pleasure. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, please don't be shy. Leave a rating and a review and let me know what you think. Love always, Jake.